Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to Text Message, the UK-focused technology podcast with me, Nate Langson. And me, Ian Morris. He's back, ladies and gentlemen. He's back. He's got baby back ribs, and he's back. And if you're one of our Patreon supporters, this is your extended ad-free version of the show. And thank you to our patrons, many of whom are joining us live at the moment. We've got Al, Bart, John, Mike, Nick, Pangolin Sandwich, Richard... Um, all supporting us directly and you can get access to our full-length show as they do the ad-free version our live stream our extra message sister show all of that good stuff by going to patreon.com forward slash uk tech happy new year year ian i was gonna say happy Thanks. new year but uh, <laughs> no my ears thought- are largely the same they remain the same now my ears are the same and i noticed that you have a slight dip in sound quality because you've moved house and misplaced a microphone but yes I feel it's really quite annoying. in my in my waters i feel this will be resolved for next week so people shouldn't feel. <laughs> let's hope so let's hope so i certainly do hope so and did you have a pleasant new year well you know it was what it was wasn't it i mean it was i was asleep i think i, I think i i lay down <laughs> put a tv on uh fell asleep woke up at I don't know, quarters of midnight, mm-hmm. saw some fireworks outside my window and then sort of couldn't sleep till three or something. It was pretty much like most nights. Yes. Well, that sounds like a jolly <laughs> nice way to bring in a new year. Um, well, it's great to have you back. We had a good episode last week where, with, with Andy, but we did miss you. And well, I listened live. I know you did. You joined in, in fact. Well, I but, did a little uh, bit, yeah. I didn't know how much of that had made it into the actual show. A reasonable amount made it into the extended version. I, yeah, I don't believe enough. any of it made it into no. the uh, the short version. But, no, that's inappropriate. But, but I feel that's enough waffle. Uh, let's get on with some news. And we're going to start with Elon Musk, who is poised to compete with our government's OneWeb satellite broadband service, at least the, the service our government has invested in, uh. after his Starlink venture was cleared by our communications regulator, Ofcom. This is all according to a write-up in The Times. The paper wrote this week that Ofcom has granted Musk a license and in fact did so back in November, months after the government spent about 400 million pounds uh, on a minority stake to reboot the failed company alongside uh, an Indian firm called Bharti Global. Uh, Starlink actually already active, of course, in the US. It's got quite a few dishes around rural areas in particular. And Musk wants to be able to deliver fast broadband to internet black spots and this it can achieve by sending thousands of satellites into low earth orbit uh, and the, the license means that he'll be able to compete not only with the likes of uh, one OneWeb and what's that other satellite company in Marsat yeah isn't it? they do they do stuff with I think planes as well um, but also essentially competing with fixed line broadband and, and 4G providers um, uh, as well essentially this isn't necessarily going to be a specialist service it's just one that will be particularly beneficial to people in uh, in blackout zones that don't get 
coverage by other means. Uh, According to the FT, the Financial Times, Musk has regulators permission to launch more than 40,000 satellites uh, in total into low Earth orbit. And Starlink has about 600 already in orbit against OneWeb's 110. So we're lagging. Uh, Now he's got permission to to do it here. before I open this up to to you, Ian, because I know you've got some uh, strong views on all this, OneWeb was controversially rescued from bankruptcy uh, by our government and Bharati uh, Global after quite a few problems. But ostensibly, it works in the same way as Starlink in that it's just you know it's throwing the satellites up into space, beaming internet to rural areas, uh, you know, at first at least probably. Um, but OneWeb's ambitions have, according to the FT as well, been scaled back a little bit to help rein in some of the funding problems it's had. Um, and it, it recently asked regulators to reduce the size of its proposed future fleet from what was going to be about 48,000 satellites to just over 6,000 Um So basically, we put a bunch of money, the government put a bunch of money in to rescue this company. Ofcom has allowed uh, a very significant rival in Starlink from Musk permission, basically, to compete over here. What's your view on all this, Ian? Because fundamentally, I don't have a very strong opinion on uh, on these because we've we've not really had to think about them a, a great deal. No. So... Maybe you have. I have um, because I'm. Well, I'm fascinated by the technology for a start. I mean, this is um, this is actually sort of credible broadband over satellite. Now, satellite broadband is nothing new, uh, but I'm, I'm sure you're aware that in the past it required that people had a um, some form of upstream of their own. So, for people who were out in the sticks without any broadband, that would often be perhaps dial-up, or it might be ISDN. Um, so it would be it would be really quite a poor um, service. Now, however, Starlink allows upload as well, and it's actually pretty quick. If you look at some speed tests online, you'll see um, speed download speeds of 100 to 150 megabits per second, which is remarkable. Um, and you can see upload speeds of around 20 plus. I think the fastest I've seen is 50. Now, obviously, there are some issues here in that this is a they're quite early on in the service. Who knows how it's going to be when it goes, you know, mainstream and there's a lot more people. Now, Elon Musk has said previously, actually, this won't be a viable proposition for cities. There'll be too many people. It would be too contended um, because in a city you would have, I don't know, maybe 100,000 people all vying for the bandwidth of one satellite rather than out in the sticks where, you know, you've got, there's there's one coming over very regularly um, and, you know, you, you don't have the same, you know, there's not going to be 100 people trying to get on it at the same time. Um, so it, it for me, it seems like a really interesting idea. I've watched one video on YouTube of a test where there's a ping of 26, 27 milliseconds. You might be in a game on that, like, realistically, that's not... F- far off i mean i i get about 11 milliseconds ping on my uh wi-fi um because at the moment obviously i don't have a full wired connection to my office um so and, and that's okay it seems to be working fine so you know 27 milliseconds is not bad it's 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 better than anything you would get on any other service um and I just think the idea of it for servicing people in areas where they can't get broadband. Now, it works well in this country. It works well in America where it's not so much of a financial constraint. It is very expensive. Um, I think it's something like $100 a month or something ridiculous. Um, well, and- while, we've been, while you've been talking, uh, Al Struthers in our live chat room here uh, did 
mention that he'd seen that it costs about the equivalent of about seventy pounds for a forty-five megabit connection uh, per per month, plus uh, three or four three or four hundred pounds to install. And I looked up um, a story on Ars Technica, which was published um, last year in October that said that SpaceX, which is, I think, what Starlink is actually part of, um, I think is technically a SpaceX Part of that business, company, yeah, rather than anything else. It had sent emails to people who'd signed up for a public beta test and said that it would cost $99 a month plus a one-time fee of uh, about $500 to, for the, the yeah. ground system and the tripod and router, the equipment. And, and router and things. Um, but it said that speeds would re- vary between f- uh, about 50 megabits to 150 megabits and a latency of between 20 and 40 milliseconds. So perfectly yeah, in line yeah, with, with, with what you've said and what Al says as as well. And compared to, as you say, getting a, 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 you know, a satellite system installed using legacy satellite providers that is a discount but obviously still notably more expensive obviously it is it's certainly more expensive than you would pay for even probably the best broadband perhaps you might see that sort of pricing on very high-end fiber if you wanted gigabit uncontended or you know like gigabit up and down on uh you know a a a proper fiber provider rather than virgin um you you might pay that kind of money as well but um well i've now got gigabit actually to to the house we we, we got that just before the new year and i'm paying 62 pounds a month for, for gigabit but it's gigabit it's gigabit fiber down and then it's, it's like, not up, is it? It's no, like 50 it, meg up or something stupid. I, it's very, it's, yeah, it's like 50 or 60. It's faster than what I had before. Yeah, uh, which is good, but it's not, it's it not ma- ideal. It makes, it makes a difference. You know, when I'm, if I'm shooting my uh, video of myself for, for Bloomberg, for, work, for, yeah. for TV, you know, I have to send those files in a, a very high resolution format and sometimes we're against the clock because we're a news organization so having a, an upload speed even where i can get five or six megabytes a second up uh, it does make a difference but it's nothing compared to to gigabit no. in both but directions. also i mean if, if if your if your business needed you to be doing this more regularly and and felt there was a need i'm sure they would put fiber in for you if, if that was if it was so important to the you know the business itself yeah, they would find the money to do that, wouldn't they? Um, I, I think so. For, um, John in the chat says, "Yeah, it's really useful for businesses in rural areas." Totally, uh, you know that kind of money for a business is is you know pretty standard. I mean, you'd you'd get that for a a business service anyway. How how Starlink has in terms of an SLA and you know guaranteed uptimes, I would imagine it's very much more like a domestic service. However, the thing, the, the problem is, it's it's going to be a bit expensive for individual people. Um, I, I'm sure there might be things that will pop up in the future where they would offer some sort of community thing. If you're in a, a small village and maybe you could do some sharing or something like that, I don't know how that would operate. But I, I can't imagine potentially... that would work. I can't imagine that would work because everyone would need their own satellite uh, in the same way that if you have satellite television you know you can't well, really not, share not, no but i mean it, what if what if you had a sort of community aerial which was um you know people could connect to via wi-fi say i mean you don't it would have to be quite a small area or microwave or something like that um again it would add complexity but you i mean realistically if this is if this service is going to succeed they're going to have to find a price point that works for people and you know a hundred dollars a month might not be too bad for rich people or you know middle class people but where this service could be enormously useful is in places where there is no fixed line infrastructure at all and only cell cell phones um 
and those places, I'm thinking about African countries, uh, perhaps India, China. These are all places where perhaps that might be more of a stretch financially. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not saying that that's Elon Musk's business model, because I'm sure it isn't his business model. He's offering a service to a select few people who can afford to pay for it. Um, I I think this is an absolutely groundbreaking service in that it's the first thing I've seen in all the years I've been on earth where it's actually credible. It actually feels like a proper broadband system that you could actually use day to day as a broadband without uh, without huge compromises. So, and also it's not being charged based on the amount of data you use, which no. was the traditional model yes. um, for satellite broadband. So that immediately breaks you out of all the constraints that you'd normally have. So from my perspective, this is a, this is a great move. Now, it only takes one person to start this to see other competitors. Now, I'm sure as you may well chip in in a minute, consistently putting satellites in space is not great. Um, so there's a possibility this might go sideways at some point. If every company wants fancies launching 40,000 satellites in space, we're going to have a problem. Um, but, you know, um, it, it, there's a possibility that, you know, Musk might sell these this service to other providers or something like that in the future. Who knows? But it's a great, from a technical point of view, it's exciting. I love it. I think it's brilliant. You're right. And there have been situations where within cellular companies, um, uh, rival networks can share or or team up on uh mast space to cut down on both the number of masts required to cover an area or we've seen where they've they've uh subcontracted if you if you like uh to provide service where they don't have service in space i have no idea how that would work you know theoretically could starlink and oneweb collaborate in order to reduce the number of satellites required to provide this i don't know i can't i mean imagine. i imagine that the the satellites themselves because they're very small are probably designed to do just one thing and one thing only so i suspect sharing might be an issue but you've got the right idea there haven't you basically you know if, if every company puts up twenty thousand satellites and then they all share them then that kind of works doesn't it but it it, it would if the business would would support it um but there, there is an interesting side note about that that uh, astronomers have, have actually warned about because there was this there was a, a story last year in relation to starlink uh, it was in the Indo- and the independent um that actually this could be extremely impactful to astronomy uh, and scientific progress there was a satellite constellations mm. one workshop great name that found that constellations of these quite bright satellites which the the starlink ones are could fundamentally change ground-based optical and infrared astronomy um and it could basically change how the night sky looks to telescopes and to and to yeah. stargazers and stuff which is not ideal and as a big fan of astronomy in general i i find that that is the kind of thing that you end up do, breaking first and apologizing for later but apologizing from later when you are you know the richest man in the world <laughs> uh, and a company like this it's it's not something it's going to be easy to just say okay we'll turn this off then have you seen them yet? Have you had a look through the satellite dish, uh, satellite I, dish, satellite uh, telescope, no, the yet. thing, pointy thing? Not, not yet, <laughs> not yet. No, but just back on the on the business model um, side of of things, you mentioned that this can help in regions that have no internet at all. You mentioned parts of of the African continent 
which is uh, which is one. But even in places within Britain, and this is something OneWeb will be able to help with, we have areas that are not necessarily super remote, but the landscape and the the geology of the country is such that it makes it very difficult for towers, for wireless towers, and even just basic radio and certainly broadband cables as well, it just makes it very difficult to get service to them because there's always a mm. mountain in the way or, or something. So having something that's just being beamed down from space could make a massive difference to those people. I'm thinking about people in in Scotland and Wales in particular. That's that's going to make a huge, huge difference for them. Yeah, agreed. You know. For sure. I'd love to know if anybody's had experience with... Either one, not one. Well, maybe one web. Um, they've got a. Few I mean, I doubt anyone's up. had experience with that, have they? But there may be some American <laughs> listeners who've had experience with uh, with Starlink based on the the beta trial. Mm. So I'd love to hear if anyone would like to uh, to send in some thoughts on that. Do please feel encouraged, and we can play them out next week or, or read them out. And if you have any other views, obviously you know where to send them. Hello at uktechshow.com. According to The Next Web, which was, like so many people, covering CES this week, Sony is launching a streaming service with 4K Blu-ray picture quality, so it says, and it's going to be exclusively available only on Sony Bravia TVs. That is the most Sony thing I've ever heard. Hold that thought. We will be coming back to that in just a minute. The website wrote that the Bravia Core service will come preloaded on all new Bravia XR models with a catalogue of new releases, some classic blockbusters uh, pulled, of course, from the Sony Pictures archive. Now, the platform's going to use Sony's Pure Stream tech, which it says gives near lossless, ultra high definition Blu ray disc equivalent quality with streaming up to 80 megabits per second. Again, that's all according to Sony. The service is also a way, of course, for Sony to differentiate its devices from uh, from rivals like Samsung and LG and Panasonic and, and whoever else uh, who can't necessarily just launch a service like this because uh, it doesn't own its own picture studio, uh, for one thing. Sony says at least 300 films are going to be available at launch. These includes the, 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 the ones that are IMAX enhanced collection uh, that are optimized for Bravia XR. I included this this week because Ian being such a, uh, what's the word? Oracle. So many words to describe Ian, but I would say Oracle when it comes to uh, correctly predicting how the market will respond to audiovisual launches that I couldn't pass up the opportunity to talk about this because one thing that I hate about some streaming services is that if it's a film that I absolutely love, there is still part of me that wants to get the film on disc rather than on stream Mm. because the bit rate is so much higher and you definitely can tell on a good tv 100 can so 80 megabits i think gets us pretty close to blu-ray disc quality particularly if it's a long movie on a single disc um but fill us in ian what's what's the what's the takeaway i mean i actually you know i'm a little bit i'm a little bit out of whack in terms of bit rates on um on 
ultra HD movies. For one thing, it's possible they're using the new, uh, what is it, X265 for this. They will. Which they offers... Will. No, no, in, no question. Yeah, enormous advantages for compression. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I think this is an absolutely wonderful idea. It's exactly the sort of thing I'd like to see. I'd like to see um, Netflix and Amazon offer better bit rates, really, because... Um, I pay extra for 4K Netflix, but there are times when I look at it and think, eh, it's, it's not great, is it? Um, but you, like you said, discs are the best. But HD, um, you know, ultra HD disc players are still 200 quid. It's ludicrous. So I can see that people, people, people are just going for streaming now. That's what's happened. It's gonna, and that's a problem because it will, it will have an impact on the affordability of UHD discs for everyone, because it will mean that there's not enough demand and that you know they'll just remain expensive, which is a terrible shame because people are missing out on some you know next level picture quality by streaming. Um, whether I think this will survive or not, it depends really. I, I think if this was a whole market solution and i can sort of see i could see some of the reasons it might not be it might require special decoding um sony might have worked some magic that so that it's you know only possible to support it in bravia tvs but at the same time i don't really buy what i'm saying there i think it sounds like nonsense um i think it should be a whole market thing i don't see why you wouldn't want it to be it's not going to be free i'm sure of that you're still going to have to pay so why not open it up to everyone and let and let people have access to it it seems like a stupid limiting idea to me, but it sounds, like I said, very, very Sony. This is just how that company tends to operate. It's a way to encourage cinephiles, probably, to want to buy into a Sony television or Sony AV receiver yeah. ecosystem versus anything else. But I don't believe, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but I don't believe people buy a television specifically for its let's say for its software they tend no. to buy it because of the picture quality or the sound quality or the size obviously price um design uh, to a large extent as, as well but they're not buying it because that particular model has a particular streaming set on it it seems it seems far far too niche to yeah. to, to, to to work you know. I mean, you know, and I, there's nothing wrong with Sony TVs. I mean, it, it's all, it always makes me laugh because I've, you know, I've got a very old Sony TV now. It's very, very old, and um, it's 720p. And I still look at it and think, actually, the picture quality on this for 720 is, is pretty good, really. And it's it's lasted all these years. So, you know, Sony hardware is great still. It's just that when you buy a TV these days, you're far more likely to pick based on. Does it support Dolby Vision? Does it have HDR10 plus? Blah, blah, blah. You know, there's a lot of things that you would want to pick before you pick what streaming services were available, would be my feeling. I just, I, I sent you a message, didn't I, saying I've just bought a, um, a an LG mm. uh, because I was, I, I've no, I've been no longer able to resist the OLED calling. Uh, and it arrived this morning, I set it up and I was looking at it and thinking this is, truly phenomenal well we're going Just... to come to that in uh in in the extended version mm. of the of the show for, for patrons uh in a in a few in a few minutes um, and i'm looking forward i've got a couple of specific questions about that that i'm very interested because I, we may or may not be in the market for a new television my wife's Ooh. listening she doesn't know this um so i'm <laughs> kind of telling her now um well how big's your tv at the moment by the way the size isn't the issue it's 60, right. It's 65 inches. It's a Sony Bravia. It's big. I'm not thinking of bigger. I'm thinking of OLED, but we'll 
we'll, yes. co- we'll, we'll come to that. Um, yeah. What I wanted to say is that John in our chat room listening to us live has said that paying for 4K Netflix isn't necessarily, or rather paying for the 4K streams that Netflix offers isn't necessarily the only reason to buy the 4K streaming option because it also comes with HDR that can make a much bigger difference to your picture if you have an HDR set, a high dynamic range set, than just pure resolution alone. Um, And the Netflix service also gives you more devices to stream on concurrently. But it's an interesting point, isn't it? Because HDR is this very difficult technology to make seem that interesting. But when you put it side by side people are much more a- easy to say that's the better picture pointing at hdr standard def HD. i popped up an episode of the mandalorian on the uh the lg today and i i mean i can't i can't vocalize how much of a difference it means makes the difference between 1080 and 4k on a and my i bought a 55 inch because uh, it was a it was a financial consideration more than it was a si- a space and size one. I would have happily had the sixty five or the sixty, but it just felt like too much money. Um, and bearing in mind OLEDs are much more expensive at higher sizes than LCDs are. You, I, I could have had a probably a sixty five LCD for the price I paid for that LG. But um, it just it, the HDR makes all the difference, all the difference. It's wonderful. Do you remember, I think you were there, it was either at CES or IFA, and obviously now it must be going back 12, 13 years possibly, when Sony trotted out its first OLED TV. It was about 20... The little one. The little one. It was like 20 inches. It cost several thousand pounds. Yes. And, and Do you know what? Go on. Um, there's a guy on... Have you ever heard of Techmoan? No. He's Sounds a, like something he's, you'd create. <laughs> yeah. He's a, he's a YouTuber, and he, do, he looks at really interesting tech. Um, he's recently done that OLED TV. He bought a brand new one in a box um, and set it up because he said, I've always wanted to see one of these. And, you know, now I've got the opportunity to do it. Um, and one of the, and, and it made me laugh. Uh, one of the things he noticed, he always is in the video, is my headline from the article I wrote about that TV. Oh. It's in the video. I was I, like, yeah, that's so cool. What, what um, was your headline? Anyway, Oh, I can't remember now. It's something. It, it's something like arms and legs or something. I, I can't actually find the story on Cena. I don't think. Anyway, I'll find. I'll find the video later, and I'll send you a link, and you can have a look. But you, um, you did a video with it as well, did you? Yeah. I, well, I, I I must have done a video with it then. I I believe we never had one at CNET. They wouldn't send us one. I don't think. No, we didn't. Um, I think the US probably had one, and that was good enough. But yeah, no, it was. Um, I don't think they really ever intended to sell it either, really. Like, it was such a minor number of units made. Oh, I knew now you can buy it because you could buy it from Caesar's Palace, I think it was, a shop. Oh, that's right. It was one of the things they said was you could buy it here at the show. And everyone was like, well, I'm not paying three grand for an 11-inch TV. Yeah, put one in my swag bag, please. Yes. I don't have any more details about launch costs or dates or anything like that uh, but i think it's safe to say that we're not massively in favor of this being a uh, manufacturer and model specific service but as a offering as in basically blu-ray uhd quality streams there could definitely be and probably is certainly a market for and we'd like to see that expanded i don't think we've seen any evidence that tying a service specifically to one piece of hardware works 
super well in a landscape that is now as competitive as streaming media. You only have to look at Apple launching um, the Apple TV Plus on Samsung televisions and other products yeah, I love to, that. to see that um, it, it does It's on the LG too. Oh, is it? Interesting. Yeah, so it's, that's an interesting one from Apple really, isn't it? Because that is a... That's an un-Apple decision. Well, it's it's not unprecedented. I mean, you know, iTunes going onto Windows back in the day was largely credited with helping the iPod take off. Oh yeah, but 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 yes, you know, it, in a world where there is no app for iMessage for Android, and yet there is an Apple Music mm. on Android and uh, Apple TV on Samsung, it it does strike me as being a bit peculiar but we're getting into the weeds and if there's one thing i don't like it's to be trapped in weeds um but if you are trapped in weeds but you have your phone and you'd like to let us know either a what the weeds are like b how you intend to escape or c whether you'd buy a sony bravia tv specifically for this high resolution streaming service you can let us know hello at uktechshow.com however if you need rescuing i strongly recommend the police You're used to hearing the smooth, velvet sound of Nate's voice drizzled over your ears like a warm eardrum syrup, topped off with the freshly squeezed citrus tang of an Ian Morris opinion. Supporters of the show at patreon.com forward slash UK tech enjoy second helpings every week. So pull up a chair, find your nearest spoon, and tuck into a sumptuous extra helping with no commitment. If you have any allergies, please inform a waiter. I think we need to check in with a certain man with a great deal of merit to his name. Mm, very I think, good. I think I think it's Tom Merritt, a Daily Tech News show. Let's hear what's been hearing, hearing, happening in the wider world of tech this week. It was the Consumer Electronics Show, so Daily Tech News Show covered it all, from the rollable phones and tablets from LG and TCL, to the hot new chips from AMD, NVIDIA, and Intel, to a robot that would like to pour you a glass of wine. Oh, what about TVs? Well, Patrick Norton and Robert Heron from AVXL joined us to tell you the most important TV trends at CES, and if 8K matters yet. Spoiler, it doesn't. Quite. Yet. But it's getting closer. All that and much more at DailyTechNewsShow.com. That's the point, Ian. Did you consider an 8K set? Not even for a second, mate. Yeah. Um, in fact, it's a quite funny, actually. There's a, another YouTuber I was watching. I'll see if I can dig it out for you. I think he's called Extra Shot. And he did a thing that was... It was admittedly sponsored, I think, by LG. But they basically got an 8K TV and their 4K OLED. And they put them side by side and let people decide which they preferred. And they actually went for the 4K. And there are some technical and scientific reasons for that uh, it's worth a watch I'll, I'll i'll dig out a link and send it to you excellent please do and post it in the discord as well it'll stimulate some uh, scintillating discussion um that our patrons are uniquely placed to provide to each other um and thank you tom for keeping us abreast of the consumer electronics show i don't miss covering that show but a part of me oh i do yeah exactly I miss a part it so of me much does miss the buzz uh, of being yeah. of being there so live vicariously through tom 
Sarah and Roger and go and give uh, DTNS a listen. Thank you, Tom. Now, if you are hungry for some extra text message this week, you have two options available to you. Um, one is to listen to our extended version that goes out to patrons because on that edition, we had a deeply interesting conversation about the problems with commercial TV in the UK. And I think, Ian, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but I'm pretty sure you said that my idea for how to get people to use, uh, say, an, a premium ITV stream or Channel 4 stream or whoever in order to not see the ads, mm. I've got a solution that could literally change the world, save lives yep. possibly, make kings of, I don't know, people who aren't kings <laughs> yet uh, or queens or whatever. Isn't that right? I, Is that an you're absolutely right. No, no, it's not an exaggeration. I think actually, uh, Nate, you you actually nailed the concept. So I'm 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 think people should listen. Excellent. Um, that is called a tease, uh, but hopefully. If it- <laughs> If it works, you will uh, consider becoming a patron and getting our longer show, which also, heads up, doesn't have ads in it. Um, But we also had a great episode of Extra Message that went out, which is our uh, weekly sister show to Text Message. And on that, we had Richard Taylor join us, one of our patrons, actually. Um, He's been using one of the new Apple M1 MacBook Airs, and he is a pro user, as in he doesn't just use it for email and Netflix, like properly exhausting the capabilities of that, ma- of that machine. And I learned an awful lot about what it's like um, to use an Apple design chip in a Mac versus an Intel chip. Uh, if you want all of that, you need to become a patron. And you can do that by going to patreon.com forward slash UK tech. And thank you for those who do. Ian, um, it's been a great pleasure to be here. It has. In your company. Thank you for I'm, coming back. Thank you for being I'm, you. <laughs> I'm sorry for the disruption to sound quality. I'm I'm hopeful that it won't be too bad in the final cut when when the actual microphone audio comes through. But uh, rest assured, Nate and I are attempting a, to rescue the sound. Yes, I mean it will be rescued in one week, regardless. Either you find your microphone, or I'm buying you a new one. <laughs> they are the Fair two. Enough. They are the two options. Um, well, I want a new one anyway, because I want one that's heavy enough to keep this road arm from flying away. Ah, okay. And I want an isolation mount as well, because it's, you know, you bang the table and it, yeah. So, yeah. one doesn't like to waste money. No, one doesn't, does one. Um, but if it provides an improvement, then it's worth it, isn't it? As is the case with so many things in life. <laughs> Um, I hope you all have a nice life for the following week. Um, We will see you in a week's time, at which point we will check in and review what happened. Goodbye. Goodbye. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.